Hi there, everybody. It's Peter Bassler from ESEC Lending with another uh, podcast here today, coming to you from Westport, Connecticut. I've got uh, my same cohorts here, Jim Baroni from Dartmouth, Mass., and Brooke Gilman from beautiful Lake Champlain. How are you guys doing today? Well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is sunny. It is calm. There's not a cloud in the sky, except for all the cottonwood falling from the trees. That's about the only thing that seems cloudy out here in Burlington, Vermont. So yeah, all is good. Summer is upon us. Same here. It's my Friday, so I'm quite happy today. Your Friday? I thought yesterday was I your Friday. I thought yesterday was your Friday. Oh, every day is my Friday. <laughs> today really my I was supposedly an offsite yesterday, right? Yes. Okay. So it was it was needed. Some some needed R and R. Jim's okay, doing. Great. Jim is sort of like uh, you. You actually shouldn't be the one to comment, Peter. Peter, for everyone listening, has a um, nickname that he actually I think first invented for himself, which is twenty four seven, where he's quite um, proud of the moniker 24 seven in that he thinks he's constantly working, always available, always at the ready. Well, I think, I think it's true. If, if clients or prospects were to be listening, I think they could attest to my commitment, <laughs> my commitment to them and to this company. Right. So with that, let's get started. So I think today we, we, we haven't really covered, you know, a market update from, you know, when COVID started through today. So, you know, Jim, you know, we talked about last time, but Jim did a great job updating our board, and he kind of did that timeline from the beginning of COVID to today. It's actually a pretty interesting story. So I think that's what we're going to do today. But first and foremost, I wanted to give a little quick story. So a friend in the industry, also a consultant, approached me recently and said, hey, listen, I'm going to see a client, and I wanted to know, is this a good time to start a lending program? And so I, I had to take a step back and say, well, I'm kind of conflicted by that statement because... Given my role, I'm probably always going to say yes. But the fact is, is that the data today suggests that the uptick in demand is pretty significant. And so the returns are getting better and better. And so I just wanted to highlight a couple of statistics that Jim highlighted in the board meeting, which are, you know, the VIX, this is all as of end of May, but the VIX a year ago was 17 and a half and now it's around 30. So that's good for our business. The, the average fees in the U.S. equity lending market were about 36 basis points a year ago. And at the end of May, we're average of about 60. So that's a pretty dramatic upshift. Um, and I think the broad base of the specials market is driving that. And that's good news. That's good news for anyone who is a lending agent, a lender in the marketplace, where for years it was just blindly up markets and and very concentrated demand on a couple securities. So I think we're pretty optimistic and excited about that. And one more statistic for you, the band of, of specials above 500 basis points, there was about 5 billion in, of supply in that band a year ago, and there's double that today, 10 billion. So those are, those are some good stats. So I think it's a great time to start a lending program. It's a great time to be in the market. And so, uh, so with that, maybe I'll just cue Jim to kind of give us that timeline from, you know, when this all started, February timeframe to now, you know, maybe just a, a little recap. Sure. Thanks, Peter. Uh, one more stat before I jump into the timeline. The, a year ago, the uh, same May to May analysis that we did a year ago, there were 
there wasn't one short with a billion dollars worth of stock borrowed in the market that was warm or special. And today there's three of them. So uh, Match, American Airlines, and uh, I believe Carnival Cruises. So I just, I think that's indicative of the depth of the specials in the market today versus <clears throat> back in January and February. So Jan and Feb, it was kind of the same as it's been in, the, in this miserable business for the last five years is return to lendables come down, 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 supply increases, um, demand kind of wanes, leverage was used by um, by the hedge funds, but for uh, levering long, so it was two times long. So the idea of a hedge fund, a long short, who netted out exposure and was hedged, um, kind of went, uh, you know, a as a core strategy, kind of went uh, by the wayside. Uh, and then March came, and um, Wuhan and China, and this the, the beginning of the COVID pandemic, um, it started to leak into our market, and then it hit us, kind of March. 18th, 20th, boom, things blew up and then the world changed. And uh, so at that point, I think risk was off. Everybody just stepped aside. The markets were extremely volatile and we like volatility, like Peter said, um, but we like it to be predictable. And it's not predictable if you're up or down 2000 points a day. So um, rightfully so, a lot of the, uh, from our perspective, a lot of the risk takers stepped aside and so they would hedge out their portfolios. So initially we saw ETF borrowing, and I think we talked about it in a previous podcast about ETFs, uh, and that made sense to us. And so we saw a lot of shorts and balances went up there as we lent ETFs and had supply. Um, and then the markets began to calm down. The Fed injected capital continues to do that today, um, essentially supporting the, supporting the economy, keeping us from um, uh, from a recession. So. Yeah, all that said, there are still industries, um, and we've talked about it before, uh, that are going to be winners and losers. There's going to be companies that are winners and losers within those industries. And um, we initially thought that would be uh, a theme that would play out as we saw risk come back into the market, and it's starting to happen. Those three $1 billion plus uh, positions in the market is testament to that. So we are seeing people willing to make bets on companies based on fundamentals and not too concerned about the overarching um, headline risk that they take moving the markets. I still think uh, there's more to come. I think I'm, I'm still continue to be excited about the market and the prospects for um, ever increasing securities lending revenue for the industry in the next six, 12, 18 months, as the government will have to start to pull out or at least reduce the amount of support uh, or the amount of additional support given to the markets uh, over time. So, um, I think there, there's more to come in terms of um, the upside, but we're starting to see a Peter's stat of 35 bips to today at um, almost 60 bips on average in the U.S. is a massive move. Um, and I think if you look at return to lendable, and I'll just use broad numbers because I don't have them in front of me, but return to lendable had um, dropped, and again, using the U.S. as the bogey for or the proxy for the rest of the markets had dropped to uh, sub three bips for for an overall portfolio, an all cap portfolio in, in the U.S. And that was five, seven years ago. That was six, seven bips, um, and that's ticked up to over four bips today. So, while three to four is not full recovery, it's not what it was five years ago. It's up thirty percent, and that's that's meaningful. We've seen it in some of the results of the initial auctions we've been holding um, in the spring season, where we typically do our U.S. equities. We're seeing participation, uh, the view of 
current intrinsic value and the view of future intrinsic value uh, changing dramatically from what we saw um, last year. So um, our thought is to finish this season out and give everybody an update on our um, auction season, which would be inclusive of uh, U.S. equities, um, corporate bonds, and, uh, and other fixed income. So, um, so, so Jim, because I, I think it would be great to talk about that more um, a bit later, but can you also speak to, so you, you know, you talked about the shift in um, fees and return to lendable. Can you talk to just uh, the volume that we're seeing as well and how that's changed sort of you know, pre that mid-March period to now. And, and, uh, and, and we've spoken about it a little bit on some of the other podcasts, but I think it'd be good to kind of, you know, summarize it now that more time has passed, especially following some of the comments you just made and, and where we're seeing more specials as well. But also if you could speak to broader volumes. Sure, yeah, in the, in the GC space, volumes are massively up um, for us anyway. Uh, so we have seen a shift from non-cash as being the preference to cash as the preference. Um, shift has been, um, that shift has happened because collateral on the non-cash side has become tight uh, for prime brokers. So cash is a little bit, the market's flush with cash, a little bit easier to come by. On top of that, the Fed has cut a number of times down 150 bips and many of the cash collateral portfolios are still yielding hanging on to uh, uh, to hang on to paper that hasn't reset lower so the yield remains higher so they can stomach um, a higher cost of funds and so uh, post quarter end in March where um, I think um, we've covered it where rates had gone as high as OBFR plus 25 to maintain cash balances that's come down as you would expect post quarter end um, but they've maintained higher than where the average has been over the last five years. However, I still think they're cheap on a cash basis. And, um, and I think that's why other lenders and ourselves have continued to pay up or pay higher than what we typically had paid for GC borrows. It's uh, because the total spread that we're going to make on a unit of business is higher with yields remaining higher. So while that will dwindle over the next couple of quarters, um, we still think it's a, it's a decent trade and balances for us have gone up um, significantly um, in the cash space and for cash client mandates. The non-cash initially in March dropped um, one. Uh, they, they just didn't have equities anymore. So if the market drops 30%, just simple math, the market drops 30%, your long equity holdings at a prime broker are going to drop 30%, all else being equal. So now you have um, less to maintain what might be a fixed commitment to a lender in terms of how much collateral you're going to give them versus loans. And so um, the net of that was shift over to cash. Um, and do you think we're going to see a change back to non-cash later this year still started, in a second way? Or are you already seeing we've already that? Started to, we've already started to see that. And yeah, absolutely. It has to do with, in part, uh, supply of the collateral, but also in part, um, and that supply is coming back. I think we're, we're hearing reporting from PVs that there's net long buying as well as uh, net shorts happening. So uh, when they look at their book, you they have more longs to give us. And it's starting to come back. But there was also, I mean, if, if you have to remember, everybody left an office environment for the first time ever where everybody's working 90, 95% from home. So really the focus was take care of your clients, make sure 
you cover your shorts and borrow your stock. And there wasn't as much focus on balance sheet management, which is where the need and desire for non-cash borrows comes from. So that dissipated um, while the market adjusted to this, this, new, um, this new normal working from home. And, and we're there now. And I think almost everybody is fully uh, adjusted and beginning to actually go back in the next couple of months. Um, we're hearing a lot of a lot of primes are going to start to send their first wave, first phase of folks back to the office. So that shift back to let's let's manage our balance sheet a little bit here. Crisis is, you know, we're nearing the end of the beginning, I guess, is kind of a good way to put it. I just stole that from Pal, who spoke. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's really fascinating. The um, and I think the takeaway from from the collateral side is I feel like the drumbeat of the last couple of years to clients was. You need to take non-cash. You need to expand your collateral profile, right? And now we're back to cash, right? Being the interesting collateral type. And what's what's interesting to me is the thing that we've been talking a lot about is not one or the other, but the flexibility to yeah. toggle between non-cash and cash, both for individual borrower preference, but also for these market changes. And so that's a big takeaway for me, for clients, is to be able to accept um, a broad base of collateral so you can toggle in this environment and still make money. Yep. I agree. It's, it's short-sighted to think that we should be beating that drum now to cash. Uh, you're right. It's just the flexibility so that we can adapt with the market as it happens and it happens quickly. You can't, you can't make changes to a collateral set in a crisis. And so if you're not set up properly for that flexibility, you can't take advantage of it. We've seen it now. Um, and so I, um, can't emphasize enough. I think that as flexible as you can be from a program standpoint uh, will serve you well when, when stuff like this happens. It's also really interesting to see, you know, if you are looking for specials GC and you have a good kind of cash collateral reinvest, like a two a seven, you are in the sweet spot of making money right now. Right. I mean, we've got some of our clients that do GC have a, have a cash reinvest two a seven and their annualized, earnings have gone up two, threefold in this environment because there's a lot of GC balance out there and because the cash spreads have been strong. You know, if you're in government only and you have minimum spreads, you're not seeing that. So it's, it's, it's being able to take all forms of collateral, do GC and specials and have the cash spread when it's there. Yeah, those certainly will be, um, when, we, when we take a look back at 2020 at the securities lending revenue, um, that maybe some of the vendors provide. Uh, and in aggregate, it'll probably be a good size number, but there'll be the haves and the have-nots based on your collateral flexibility and what you do with your cash on the reinvest side. And um, It's probably a very concentrated number of lenders who are taking full advantage of what the market's offering us today. Right. But so, Jim, so your whole statement, though, at the beginning was, you know, we're just now truly beginning to see more of a pickup in specials activity and, and higher rates, et cetera. So if you were to look at 2020 revenue, the haves and the haves not, don't you also though think that that will be much more pronounced for the first half of the year where there were definitely haves and have nots, but the latter part of the year um, might be a little bit uh, more beneficial for those more intrinsic focused lenders that aren't running a GC type program? I guess that's fair. Yeah. I'm just, um, I guess I was addressing the fact that the GC trade today 
given the total spread from yield to cost of funds uh, is a volume game and that volume is there. So it significantly outweighs what's a, what's a very um, enhanced picked up specials environment. But yes, I think um, everybody stands to, it, the specials environment today isn't just Uber micro caps and small caps and uh, underneath the rock type stocks, but it's, it's large cap, names with huge float that a lot of folks own. So um, yeah, to that end, I think everybody will participate, but you can layer on top of that um, the GC component that somebody might be enjoying in the first half this year um, would make them disproportionately enriched relative to the peers. Right. Great. Well, that's helpful. Any, any, other, any other thoughts? I think we're, we're kind of pushing 17 minutes here. You keep clock. I always like 15 minutes. That's a sweet spot. Well, I was going to ask another question, but I guess I'm going to save no, it. Go for ahead. The next no, time. Go ahead. So I talked to somebody today who told me I used to think 15 minutes was a sweet spot. And somebody today told me it was an hour. Ooh, I was like, nobody wants to listen to us. Right now. But we're definitely not doing that. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you guys for an hour. We'll give you, we'll give you one more there. question. One more question, bro. I just wanted to thematically go back to Jim had mentioned just briefly, and we sort of said we'd come back to it and we can come back to it in more detail at a future um, podcast as well. But so we have held a few auctions recently and auctions always from our perspective, you know, they're very powerful in terms of price discovery and better understanding what a particular borrower or multiple borrowers willingness might be to pay for access to certain assets or portfolios you know, on an exclusive basis for, you know, a future amount of time. And, and because it's a forward looking um, view, you're sort of, you know, looking into everyone's collective crystal ball. Um, we might have our own crystal ball. Jim could come up with his own thoughts on what a portfolio might be worth over the course of the next year. But, you know, he's often wrong, as we know. So um, we, we can't trust just his view. But, um, but, you know, Jim, can you talk to a little, in a little bit more detail, sort of why our recent auctions give you a bit more confidence and hope about the market picking back up for securities lending um, returns, et cetera? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a one-year bet. It's a forward-looking bet by um, prime brokers that the value is there that their specials will be there and that their clients will be there and bringing business to that particular firm. So um, we, we saw participation uh, in the, it's limited so far in terms of the auctions we've held, but in the, in the auctions we've done so far, we've seen participation double in terms of how many borrowers are bidding on um, key portfolios. And we've seen um, the value, the intrinsic value um, seen through, basis point bids or return to lendable bids um, come through and, and up 40, 50%. So um, that can all be true and you don't get bids in an auction, but uh, when the bids come through, that's indicative of um, brokers feeling this is more, this, well, I'm putting it in air quotes, you can't see me, but uh, this, this rally that we're having in securities lending um, has staying power. So I think, you know, they're, to put a bid into the system is a binding transaction and to get so many bids um, for massive portfolios in some cases makes us feel really good about uh, where this business is headed. So it's, um, we'll see, it could, 
you know, obviously could get derailed if the government continues to inject capital uh, and people are afraid to short it. And I, I heard the market referred to as zombie markets. And I like that one. It does feel a little bit like a zombie market marching higher. But really for us, it's, it's a perfect storm. We see that not everybody is a winner. There's a, a lot of pain underneath the, um, you know, the Dow, the S&P and the NASDAQ kind of marching higher. Um, there, there's a lot of industries that are still struggling quite a bit and facing headwinds. So um, hope that Sounds answers good. you. Yeah, no, that's great. We can chat right. more in another, in another episode. Keep it, yeah. got to keep your schedule. Next yes. round. Thanks guys. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Appreciate it. Hope it was informative. Again, if you have any ideas for other topics you want to hear about, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe and hopefully things are opening up near you so you can get out and have some fun. Great. Take care. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Thank you.